thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey there, wonderful listeners. Thank you for joining us on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And you can follow us on social media, which we are going to start being so much more active on. (laughs) Watch this space. Um, So you can find me. I am DrAndrea.xo on Instagram and The Period Whisperer on Facebook. Ash is Dr. Ashley Bond on everything and uh, us together by our powers combined. We are the Wellness Women, uh, which you already know because that's how you found us in the first place. And we are the Wellness Women on Facebook and the Wellness Women official on Instagram. Um, So we're going to, you know, be starting to post some really amazing things coming your way. Uh, So keep your eyes peeled for that. I am super excited about, you know, the episode that we're doing tonight and the ones in the coming weeks, because I feel like we're kind of getting back to our roots, you know, where we've got really heavy hitting like hormonal topic to go over tonight. Um, Something that is super common that we see every single day. Um, So this is essentially part of, you know, how to fix your period series. Um, And this one in particular is um, this is how to fix your short cycle, or if you have like a luteal phase deficiency. Um, We're going to get into that in a second, because this has come from uh, essentially an an audience or a a listener question, um, which is really common. So it was certainly worth doing a whole episode on. Um, But Ash, before we get into that, I want to tell you about this study that I read just quickly. Um, So there was this like, um, systematic review. I don't think it was a meta-analysis, but it was definitely a systematic review that came out earlier this week about coffee and fertility. And it was looking at essentially like coffee intake and its effect on fertility. Um, and it, I 
think it was probably analyzing more like male fertility than female by the breakdown of it. But I think it, there was like, you know, there was some crossovers and essentially what it concluded with was that coffee does not affect fertility, like your caffeine intake, um, which I'm pretty sure will make a lot of people very, very happy. Um, I mean, I was super excited to read it and I didn't even know if that's something that, you know, I don't even know if fertility is part of, part of my journey at the moment, but uh, I was just excited for lots of my patients because I know they're going to be happy about that. We're taking this with a grain of salt though. That, I was about to say, that's so interesting, isn't it, right? But we yes. also have referenced the fact that coffee is, you know, the globe's most commonly used drug. So we know that it has a direct impact on our HPA axis and, you know, the mm-hmm. way it affects our adrenal function and sleep cycles. And I dare to say that I, whilst the caffeine itself may not directly affect the, you know, virility of uh, men, but I would suggest that pers- like the possibility that it affects, you know, sleep cycles and all these things um, mm-hmm. in time start to play into health uh, effects on uh, fertility. So just a thought. Yes, I think that is an exciting study. I, I know we always, I always say that's a tension bias right there. You're looking for things that support the caffeine addiction. <laughs> oh, ter- like we're totally cherry-picking research, yeah. which is hilarious. The paradox is that um, I read that and I got all excited. I'm like, yes. But then even in my notes tonight for part of the like homework to fix people, it? Yeah. yeah, one of the things is get off coffee. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> and there's uh, reasons for that because of the hormonal interferences that happen. Yeah. Um, I think I'm just, oh, so I'm like definitely a bit too much of a caffeine addict at the moment. Um, but on the flip side, some of the research I was looking at, particularly on that, you know, luteal phase deficiency indicates that, you know, if you can keep it to, you know, one cup or less a day, you can still have your cup of coffee. So I think that's, you know, just pre-framing ladies in case you're turning it off right now because you're thinking, oh no, you know, she said no coffee, uh, not listening to this episode. <laughs> um, we'll get into that, but I think it's going to be a bit of fun today. We're going to dive into, yeah, like you said, Andrew, one of the most common um, concerns that women have, you know, my cycle's too short, my cycle's too long. And, you know, tonight we're going to cover my cycle's too short. You know, what's happening? Uh, why is it happening? What can you do about it? And obviously some of those take-homes that, you know, you can sort of start with when you wake up in the morning, what you can start to do to help uh, to reset. Because, you know, this is, again, one of those common things that women go to, you know, a general practitioner and they'll be told, yes, it's irregular and here's the pill. So we'd love to tell you that mm. um, the pill's not the only answer here. We're going to to bypass that that option right now and show you some of the other ways you can help uh, sort out your cycle. But, hey, I'm not going to do a lot of talking tonight because we are talking to the period whisperer here. So Dr. <laughs> Andrew is going to uh, do what she does best and start t- uh, covering this topic with great depth and detail, which, uh, you know, she's well known for. So, Andrew, I'm going to let you take the floor tonight because uh, I love that you love this so, so much. And I know that um, that passion comes across and you will present this far better than me. So let's, oh, dive, let's dive into it. I don't, I, I do not believe that at all, Ash, but certainly um, jump in whenever you feel like it. Um, <laughs> I, I love that little soundbite that you did before about how this is essentially an episode of how to fix a short cycle without the pill. Um, and that, that's what I was thinking of, of labeling this episode as well. Like this is how you fix this without, you know, needing hormonal contraceptives. And 
so this episode came about because we actually had, and funnily enough, like all consistently all at once, um, I started seeing a whole bunch of patients who came in all with, you know, this luteal phase deficiency. And we're going to tell you what that means in a second, but also listener questions that were coming in saying, you know, my cycle's only 21 days or 22 days. Um, I'm getting spotting at day like 21. Um, I'm trying to conceive, is this a problem? Or I've got horrific PMS. I've got lots of like fluid retention. I'm getting spotting at day like 23. Um, what can I do? What's going on? I've tried everything. And I've also had lots of patient experiences with, um, even with practitioners that I've seen who literally do all the right things. They are super healthy. They've got their stress under control. They're very passionate about what they're doing with their life. They've got an amazing diet. Um, they do everything that I tell them to an absolute T and still they've got this like, um, shorter cycle or they get this spotting a week before their period comes on. Um, so I'm going to kind of break down some of that for you today as well so that you can kind of get a bit of an understanding of why this happens. Um, and, what the fixes are as well. Uh, because it is actually, you know, like when people come in to me with this, I'm like, oh, that's the easiest thing in the world to kind of affect. And so when we say someone has a luteal phase deficiency, what that means, remember, are that your first part of your cycle from day one of your period to the point of ovulation is your follicular phase. And then the luteal phase is again from the point of ovulation back to day one of your period. So when you have a short cycle or that luteal phase deficiency, it means that essentially your hormones are tanking like mid-cycle so that you're not getting that full kind of month out of your hormones. Um, and this can be from a couple of different causes. Um, so you can have like a short well, a shorter cycle can be from also a short follicular phase, but that usually ha happens when women are kind of getting into that perimenopausal phase. The most common thing that we see is, you know, obviously the short luteal phase, luteal phase deficiency, usually from hormonal imbalances um, and often that pro low progesterone. Um, it can be there's abnormal uterine bleeding. Um, go back and listen to the podcast episode that we did on that because that can sort of talk you through lots of things in to do with, you know, like spotting throughout the cycle and everything else. Um, can also be if you have an, an ovulatory cycle. So if you haven't actually ovulated that month, then you haven't necessarily made progesterone from, you know, the corpus luteum, which is the little organ that's made inside your ovary. Um, and that's what, you know, essentially spits out the egg that we're ovulating from. And that corpus luteum is actually what produces the progesterone for your cycle in the first place. So if we don't ovulate, then we don't actually make progesterone. Um, so if you're having an, an ovulatory cycle, you can have a short cycle. Um, it can be if you've got elevated prolactin as well. So this can be from, you know, if you're breastfeeding or from other conditions that can, you know, make that um, prolactin hormone um, elevate because that's going to interfere with your progesterone as well. Um, as our ovaries start to get a bit older, as they start to age, this can happen too. Um, and also, I, you know, thyroid dysfunction is also another thing that can be causing that luteal phase deficiency or those shorter cycles. Um, and even just, you know, not having some of those thyroid hormones under control means that your cholesterol may not be converting into pregnenolone properly. And pregnenolone is that precursor to progesterone in the first place. Uh, what else? Um, there can be like things like if you've got excessive testosterone, it may not can be 
converted into estrogen properly, which means that that ovulatory um, kind of time isn't happening um, or as well as what it should be or as good quality, which means you may not be making as much progesterone. Um, and I know I keep referring to this progesterone, for, so for those who are sort of just tuning in and haven't um, necessarily got uh, all the many, many, many episodes um, prior to this about the very important role of progesterone in our cycle, remember that progesterone is what is made um, after we ovulate and it's what um, anchors in that uterine lining for us. So it stabilizes and matures the uterine lining. So if you think of that as like the mortar between the bricks um, of your uterus, I guess, um, it makes that uterine lining really nice and thick, like that ideal environment for um, implantation of a potential little um, fertilized egg there. Uh, it also increases your body temperature, um, which is also what helps to make, you know, those ideal conditions for baby making, if that's what happens. Um, progesterone is also has this beautiful sedative effect on our system. And it should have enough of an effect on our body that would, um, so it should sort of, um, I guess, be present in our system for long enough that would make for a viable cycle, which essentially would be conducive for conception. And so as far as I'm concerned, a minimum cycle should be about 26 days. I know lots of literature will say, oh, a 21-day cycle is, is fine, in my opinion, I think it should be a minimum of 26 days because you need a certain time after ovulation to have really good quality progesterone made so that you've got good hormonal balance in that second phase of your cycle. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm rambling there, Ash. No, that's awesome. And I think, you know, if we just to summarize that, because this is a pretty big topic, like for people who are new to this whole idea, we're talking about a lot of different hormones very quickly there. Um, essentially, I, I guess the, the main consequences of a shorter cycle are essentially what? Low air quality? Oh, yes. Inability yes. to sustain pregnancy, um, yep. early recurrent ovulation. Yeah. Yeah, recurrent miscarriage. So just to, you know, to get the, the idea, the main consequences, sometimes all the other, you know, technology is awesome, but sometimes it's like, okay, so what does that mean to me? Yes, yeah, thank I you. Think Actually, you've got to, um, <laughs> I, I like that you um, translate this. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Um, so you're absolutely right. And it can also like the biggest, most common thing that we see in women with that shorter cycle or the poor quality or not enough progesterone is PMS, mm -hmm. like massive mood changes in that second half of your cycle. Um, so PMS, even like PMDD, so that premenstrual dysphoric disorder is certainly related to lower levels of progesterone too. Mm -hmm. um, it can be if your like endometrium um, or your uterine lining is quite thin, um, so we know that uh, this is a consequence of that as well. You can have that spotting throughout your cycle or just that spotting um, earlier before your period starts. So we've got that unstable uterine lining that's already starting to shed away um, before it's time. Uh, period pain as well as a sign of this. Um, all of those mood changes um, and certainly that propensity towards anxiety and depression because progesterone is certainly protective for that. There's also a high incidence of things like um, fibroids, certainly endometriosis, um, sleep disorders, heavy periods, fluid retention, um, breast tenderness, all the other things that you, those common symptoms that you would usually associate with, um, I, th I think, PMS as well. Um, but, Ash, you're, you're absolutely spot on. So the poor quality um, 
I guess, just pregnancy ability and definitely that recurrent miscarriage can certainly be related to this um, shorter cycle, luteal phase deficiency, lower progesterone. Cool. So let's talk about some of the things that can cause this, you know, because obviously then it's like, okay, so we, we know that that's happening now. We've identified that uh, less than 26 days is considered a, you know, a shorter phase there. So what are some of the things that can influence our hormones in a way that could create this shorter cycle? The number one thing is stress, mm-hmm. like absolutely stress. And um, this doesn't just have to be like emotional stress and pressure from say, um, you know, a stressful job or trouble at home or, you know, whatever it might be. It can be any kind of stressors on the system that's going to affect like, you know, your body making lots and lots and lots of cortisol. So it can be obviously all of those emotional stresses. Um, It can be excessive inflammation, so systemic inflammation that needs to be taken care of, which can be from like, you know, poor dietary choices, um, uh, food intolerances, you know, insulin resistance, too much sugar, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, It can also be systemic infections as well. Um, So it's that constant immune system activation that's going on so that is certainly going to be affecting um, all of your uh, stress hormones too Um, insulin resistance lots and lots of like fluctuating blood sugar levels all of that is like absolutely a stressor on the body but I think um, just first and foremost getting control of or just identifying some of those big stresses that are happening Um, and for most women they're not even aware of how stressed they are um, because they've kind of recalibrated their sort of stress threshold to this upper limit and they're kind of just pushing the envelope and that perception of stress changes over time as well. Um, so the reason why that is is because um, if you think of just the the first part of our stress cycle, when we're under lots of pressure, lots of stress, when all of those things are going on, usually we're making lots and lots of cortisol and cortisol needs to um, use things to make more of it. And the first thing that happens is it's going to rob that um, progesterone. So through that process of that pregnenolone steal, it's robbing progesterone to make more cortisol. Cortisol is also competing for receptor sites with progesterone as well. Um, So think of it like it's this building block for the priorities for your body. And cortisol is the one hormone that our system can't live without so we can live without you know progesterone not very happily but we can live without it it's not absolutely critical to our survival and um, we can live without estrogen we can live without a whole bunch of other things but we cannot survive without cortisol um, so that always takes precedent and that's why it's that kind of bossy hormone as well Love that. And I think it ties together. You like you were talking about all those different stressors and you know, chiropractically we always talk about the physical, the chemical and the emotional stress mm-hmm. factors. So, you know, if you're trying to think of what in my life is causing stress, you know, sometimes going through that triad sort of saying, okay, physical stress, you know, am I doing too much, not enough? Am I, you know, inactive or maybe I'm doing too many, you know, high intensity classes? Like, mm-hmm. um, are there any other physical stressors on my body? And then, you know, then you start to look at the chemical and that's when you break down those nutritional and food pathways 
and um, looking at any environmental toxins that could be affecting your body. And of course, then, um, you know, that emotional stress or that's that stress response. But I love that you identified how, you know, we reset the bar so high that sometimes we will say, oh, no, I'm, I'm not stressed. You know, meanwhile, they're running a million miles an hour and they're just so used to that constant, you know, physiological, emotional stress response that it's normalized. So, um, yeah, super important oh. to check in. I know it was so interesting. I had two different women, like two different patients that I saw today that are kind of on polar ends of this. So one is going through just, you know, she's got two parents essentially on palliative care at the moment, huge amounts of stress at work and with her kids. And, um, you know, one of her, her kids, um, has just had a suicide attempt and like, there's just so much stress on her and she just her coping capacity is outstanding. You know, it's just amazing how resilient she is. And then on the flip side of that, I also had another patient this afternoon um, who, um, you know, she was explaining to me that she just catastrophizes absolutely everything. Uh, You know, she was driving along the freeway and there was a sign saying accident up ahead and she knew that one of her daughters was also driving on this road at some point in that day (laughs) and her her mind automatically goes into this default of absolute um, catastrophizing, like, oh, my gosh, what if that was them? She has to get them on the phone. She's panicking until she can speak to them, you know, and it's just um, I'm not saying either one is right or wrong, but there's definitely – um, some core like poor coping mechanisms there and the difference between the two women is their perception of those stress and the stress handling that they have is dramatically affects and dictates what's happening for their hormonal system um, so you know helping to have just better stress coping I guess for lack of a better term um, is absolutely critical Cool. I think that's uh, that's. We could almost just stop right there. (laughs) If we could deal (laughs) with stress, then our body will do a whole lot better. Um, And that's that's essentially what it is. So that's a great sort of wrap up of you know why we can get to this state. And obviously, the more chronic um, that state of stress, the more you know serious these situations become. And you know something that may just start with cyclical symptoms, you know, then starts to move down into more of a chronic disease process. So it's super important to pick up on those early signs. You know, I think it's really important we check in and and figure out what these cyclical signals are so that we can help to avoid, you know, essentially states of adrenal burnout, um, you know, just really basically running that that whole body system into the ground. And, you know, for me, I always say that, you know, there's a lot of signals going on that we can recognize. And I think some of those PMS signals are some of the most profound ones. And, you know, you probably um, ask this question of every single client because you you know, it's so important to figure out where it's coming from, but you know, it's just breaking it down simply. Like I, you know, I've done um, a little bit of a simplistic breakdown here, but you know, things like I always tend to things like, do you get cravings, um, nausea or having, you know, bowel changes prior to your periods, then that sort of helps us dive into maybe the digestive system areas of weakness. You know, maybe there's things there to, to tidy up. Um, 
And you mentioned before, like breast tenderness, headaches, and that irritability um, often has a lot more to do with those detox systems. You know, we start to look at that liver function and um, how the body's not eliminating those um, leftover hormones, essentially. And then you go, you know, to the next sort of level, and that's, you know, are you feeling that fatigue or having trouble sleeping and anxiety and all those things? And, you know, they're often signs that your body's just generally running low on a lot of the, the building blocks it needs to, to function at its best. And um, it's time for, you know, a full reset which you know i guess to be fair that's probably why we came up with our 28 day hormone reset you know we kept seeing these sort of symptomatic packages and going gosh we've got the answer to this (laughs) we've got the answer to this um you know and we we dived in and we created that that program but um i think that you know for women to realize that none of these things are mistakes that they're not mm-hmm. silly uh, signals that are, you know, just worth ignoring or just covering up, you know, in another way um, to sort of honour the body and to recognise that as sometimes inconvenient as a period can be, it's such an important report card, as you always say. Yes, and when you've got this balanced, um, you know, hormonal system and when you have like a proper luteal phase, when you've got really good progesterone, your cycle should just come and go and it should not be a big deal and it should turn up when it's supposed to, um, you know, like just not out of thin air but all of a sudden you have your period it's like, oh, yep, great, it's, it's just time for that again and there's no like horrific symptoms that go with it and there's no big mood changes as well I think which is really important um Ash there's one thing that you mentioned um when we we're talking about stresses on the body and that was exercise mm. um and it was interesting there's a study that was done that showed that 48 percent of recreational athletes so not in professional athletes like recreational athletes um have like a shorter luteal phase and lower progesterone levels 48% of them. And this was one hour of high intensity exercise four times a week. Um, so I think that I don't think that it's the exercise that's the problem because one hour four times a week is not much, right? Um, oh, well, one hour four times a week for me right now might feel like a lot, but <laughs> for like in the grand scheme of things, that's not that much. But I think that that plus all the other pressure and stress and anxiety and maybe poor dietary choices and sleep deprivation and everything else on top of that is what then gives us like this low progesterone, the um, the short um, luteal phases and, and the, hence the shorter cycle. Um, a couple of ways that you can test this, ladies, um, is – what I like to look for in the luteal phase, so day 21 serum blood test is your progesterone should be over 40 nanomoles per litre. Um, so that is ideal for me. It should be over 40. Um, the higher, the better. Um, if you're doing salivary testing at around that same time, the ratios between progesterone and estrogen should be um, 1 to 300. Um, so essentially your uh, like your progesterone should be really really good in that mid luteal phase um yeah sorry ash were you going to jump in there no no perfect i was just thinking if there's any other tests that you'd recommend um, women to do just to assess for this that they could be asking their doctors or you know health professionals Mm -hmm. for some guidance in this area because sometimes you know they run bloods and being told hey but everything's fine 
you know, I've mm. definitely had conversations where, oh, no, there's nothing wrong, everything seems fine, um, but clearly all the signals and, and symptoms are indicative that there is something not quite right. So maybe it's just that, you know, one of the important tests weren't done, so, you know, you didn't get that marker uh, to indicate there was a problem or, you know, maybe it was done at the wrong time. So tell me what you would tell a, a woman to do to figure this out. Oh, well, you know what, I, I, in my opinion, if someone's going to do bloods, let's, let's do them properly yes. um, because there's a whole bunch of factors that can affect this as well. And traditionally, um, you know, in, in medicine, GPs probably wouldn't have even tested progesterone unless there was some sort of recurrent miscarriage or fertility thing going on because uh, the, you know, the fix for a short luteal cycle or spotting is just put them on the pill. And now if they're not trying to get pregnant, you either take the pill or then we'll test to see what's going on with your fertility. And as far as I'm concerned, that's just not good enough. Um, so you want to do a mid luteal um, serum blood test. Uh, so that is seven days after ovulation. Uh, so, you know, obviously to recognize those signs of ovulation, you're looking for that really good fertile egg white type mucus. Um, you may be getting a spike in your temperatures if, um, you know, you're, you're looking at that and to have that proper good luteal phase, you should be getting a temporize that should stay up for about 10 days after that rise. And then it should decrease right before your, your period comes. Um, and that's minimum of about 10 days is what I look for. Um, so we should be seeing that, that good surge on your blood tests of that progesterone. So again, over 40 nanomoles per liter. Um, I like to also look at obviously your follicular stimulating, your luteinizing hormone and your estradiol on that test as well, because it's really important to look at what everything else is doing. So obviously your luteinizing and your follicular stimulating hormones are the ones that come from your pituitary gland that signal down to the ovaries to ovulate in the first place. I also like to look at your androgen hormones because that's going to tell us what's happening before ovulation um, and also the all your precursor hormones to your progesterone as well so that's things like DHEA so like your mother hormone to see what's going on with that um, I like to look at cortisol because obviously if your cortisol levels are really high then that has to be addressed and um, on the flip side of that, if you're getting this like, you know, really low cortisol awakening response and you're not getting much of that in the morning, then we've got some issues that we've got to deal with. Um, there's other things that will affect this too. So, you know, checking your thyroid function, your vitamin D, um, and also looking at your zinc status as well is really important. Um, and that's just, that's just a few that I've listed there. Um, I usually like to be a little bit more thorough, but it just depends on what's, you know, um, that kind of cl clinical presentation for that person and their history as well. Um, so those are, I reckon that's, that's some good testing. I also like to look at a woman's charts. Um, so her cycle tracking as well as if she's doing um, temperature tracking as well. We'll have a look at that too. Cool. So I think ladies start there. You know, if you're not uh, using a tracking app or, you know, charting your cycles, it's simple as putting, you know, a piece of paper, um, putting out a calendar and just writing down cervical mucus, you know, basal body temperature. Um, taking mm. temperature, you mentioned temp. I think that's a really good one. Uh, temp is best done first thing in the morning before rising, okay, yes. so before getting out of bed and preferably at the same time each day. So, you know, to get that consistency and that understanding of what your body is doing, um, it's before you sort of activate 
activate your your body systems you want to be horizontal and uh and test it as soon as you wake up so you know just just little tricks like that um and then charting that every single day uh will give you a clue as to when you can see that temperature change that temperature rise um and once you get familiar with that as well then you'll start to really tune in and and feel it like i've noticed for me having charted for so long like i can tell you know when i'm reaching ovulation like i just feel my body temperature rise just it's just this subtle difference in temperature at night you know how much bedding i want to have on you know how hot my pajamas are going to be like it's just i just know that there's that temperature change that's from one night to the next which is fascinating so um you know, be sure to, to chart those things because you don't need any fancy technology for that. You know, you don't even mm-hmm. need blood tests for that. You just need to, to take your own temperature with a very basic thermometer um, and cervical mucus is as simple as, you know, um, inserting a finger in and around the vagina to see what, you know, texture of the mucus is. So I think getting body comfortable is the first thing. Get used to what your body's doing and then, you know, yeah. more advanced testing is obviously really beneficial to understand your cycle at more depth. Um, so, Andrea, let's fix this. What do okay. we do? Let's let's say you know we've we've got uh, confirmation. We've got this short cycle. Um, what are we going to fix it? Okay, the super easy stuff. Uh, first and foremost is make sure you're taking really good quality vitamin C. Um, so vitamin C is like, you know, it seems like so unsexy. It's like, oh, you know, nothing, um, really groundbreaking there, but vitamin C really nourishes the adrenals. It also helps to lift progesterone. Um, so that would be the starting point. Um, it's really safe. It's really safe in high doses as well. Um, the next thing is spend time with your girlfriends. And I love giving this advice. So that close connection with your girlfriends having those beautiful, um, you know, deep and meaningful conversations and all of that sort of thing has actually been shown to lift your progesterone. So this is why I also say to women, we have this biological imperative to spend time with our girlfriends. And it's, um, you know, obviously it's been tricky with everything that's been happening in the world over the last few months. So, um, yep, you need to do that. I put that on my goals list as well that I was just doing like for the next quarter and Ash like one of mine was like catch up with Ash in person more often <laughs> um, nice. so, so we'll organize that off air um, and uh, so I have I always have to throw that in as one of my top ones um, look when it comes to like the easy stuff like in terms of sort of supplementation obviously it's vitamin C um, Vitex or Chaseberry is one of the oldest things in the book in terms of helping to um, like stabilize progesterone and And how it works is it helps to increase like the luteinizing hormone surges from the pituitary gland. So your vitex works on your pituitary function. And it also helps to lower prolactin as well because prolactin and progesterone um, will inhibit each other. Uh, do use it with caution. I don't like to use it too long. I don't like it to use it too early. So, And what I mean by that is um, I'm cautious with Vitex with teenage girls or if you've just come off the pill or there's something like that going on because we just want to make – we want to try and help your body to – create those good like hypothalamic pituitary ovarian access cycles really well by itself before we interfere with that um so you know obviously just use it with caution and i don't like using it in cases of like pcos because it can increase androgen production and all of that sort of thing so use with caution um the other things uh that i like that are my kind of go-tos is definitely zinc so zinc affects your follicular stimulating hormone. It helps to improve testosterone. Oh, sorry, it helps to improve ovulation. And it also makes sure that testosterone is converting into estrogen properly. 
Um, and then I love magnesium because it's going to help to regulate, you know, that hypothalamic, hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis. It's obviously that beautiful precursor to serotonin as well. So if we're feeling good, then we're going to have better stress reduction, better sleep, and hopefully be making better progesterone in the first place. Um, and also there, there seems to be a really good strong relationship between B6 and PMS. So I'm not entirely sure if B6 actually has a really good effect on progesterone or if it's just better for PMS, but um, I usually find that women do quite well on, on a good B complex too. Um, so those are my go-to um, supplementation sort of options. Occasionally, I, and I say occasionally, I will use bioidentical progesterone and this is only in cases where we've really got to make some changes really fast or, you know, when all else has failed. And again, for a short period of time. And there are some cases where I've used um, bioidentical progesterone pessaries for women who have, say, like progesterone resistance. So they're making progesterone and they're making enough of it, but their uterine lining is not responsive to it. So we're still getting that spotting, um, even though there's plenty there, but your body's just not recognizing it. So, I've, you know, I've sort of figured out workarounds for that too. Um, so that can, um, but obviously do all of that with close guidance. Um, but in terms of the lifestyle modification, sometimes this is the hardest stuff because obviously you've got to be addressing the stress. Um, you know, that's not always the easiest thing to do. Sometimes it's stuff that you're not even recognizing and you're not realizing until you actually, you know, shine a light on it. So all of your really good stress reduction techniques, obviously I'm a huge fan of meditation, um, controlled breathing, um, go gently with exercise, but do it moderately and regularly, um, get really good quality sleep, uh, control your blood sugar levels. <laughs> Think of all the precursors to your hormones and that's what you need to eat. So that's your fiber, your really good fats, good protein, um, plenty of starch and keep sugar to a minimum. Love it. I think that's, I think that's a pretty comprehensive list. <laughs> yeah. And that, look, that, and that's exactly it, isn't it? And for most people, it's improve your diet, you know, get enough rest, yeah. reduce your stress, move appropriately, like, you know, move enough. Um, and, you know, just looking for those cues. We talked about digestive function. You know, if you've got a lot of dysbiosis, a lot of gut stuff going on, then you're going to have hormonal problems too. So sometimes you need to address the gut stuff first and the knock-on effect is the, you know, improvements in the hormone function. So um, this is why, you know, Andrew talks a lot about the, the gut hormone axis and things like that. So um, if you haven't listened to episodes on that, go back and just have a tune in, you know, really check in with some of the gut based health episodes because there's a lot to that so if you you know you're not sure but you know your gut's really off kilter um then definitely make sure you focus on your gut function as well um you know we've talked about of course eliminating environmental toxins you know just cleaning up your lifestyle you know trying to live uh, a little clean a little greener getting rid of plastics getting rid of all those sources of, of chemical ir you know irritation chemical overload for your body stop spraying perfume you know just stuff like that like for me it's just you know get rid of the the chemicals as well um and you know even still i mean you probably have seen some evidence of this uh traditional chinese medicine there's some good evidence that acupuncture yeah, can no, be quite yeah. helpful for you know cyclical regulation so yeah i always put some acupuncture on there as well if um you know if people are doing all the hard work um you know i find tcm and acupuncture can be quite helpful 
Yes, absolutely. I love it. Um, ladies, the other thing that I think is super helpful as well, uh, and uh, this is a not so subtle lead into our next 28 day reset. Mm. Um, and, it, you know, we've designed it around all of these things and to address the most common hormonal like sort of deficiencies and imbalances that we see. Um, the next one is starting on 1st of August, mm-hmm. Ash, 1st of yep. August. Yep. Um, so ladies, you can already sign up now if you want um, for the intake or for the 1st of August. Um, so that is 28 days access to us every single day where we will walk you through um, and give you all the guidance, support, and um, I guess information that you need to sort of really support and balance your hormones. Yeah, and look, you know, it is us. And I think that's the big benefit. I love what we do it, that we take it on board. I know I've definitely done programs before and there's like a behind the scenes team and it's not the person that I signed up with. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Um, which is cool if they're well trained, but you know, this is a program by us, run by us. We're the ones you talk to. We're the ones who answer emails. Um, and we apologize yeah. when we don't <laughs> do it instantly because we're in clinical mm-hmm. practice, but you know, we always make sure all our ladies are looked after and, um, you become part of our, our reset family. And I love that, uh, all the women are still in there in that uh, closed group and they support each other and they throw questions around and, um, yeah, it's lifetime access, which I really love that, um, it's, you know, a special space for women to share the journey and to, to get well, you know, to really reset their hormone function, reset their life. I get so excited with all the results we get. Like you said last week, I I mean, how many babies are coming out of the program? It's hilarious. I know. Oh, it's so good. It's not just for fertility though, but that's just, you know, like a happy, happy flow and effect. Um, Hey, Ash, do we have a promo code for it? I just thought Uh, about that. Um, Should we give them a promo code? Absolutely, we should. Um, I was going to make up one. How about we do Happy 2020 and we'll... Uh, oh, hey, that's putting good juju into the rest of the year. That yeah, has right. Yeah, because yep. it's been so crappy so far. So let's turn that from crappy to happy. So we'll do Happy 2020. So just simple code, Happy 2020. Um, I'll write that down so I don't forget. And I'll get that up and running ASAP so that you get lovely ladies can jump in there and save $28 on your reset um, with the code word Happy 2020. Awesome. Okay. Well, I think that's enough for us right now. Uh, Ladies, thank you so much for joining us again. Please make sure that you've subscribed to us on iTunes or whatever um, sort of podcast medium you are using to tune in here. Um, Don't forget to be following us on all of those social media channels. Let us know if you have any questions. We would love to hear from you. You can email us your questions about your health or whatever it might be at info at thewellnesswomen.com.au. Uh, so ladies once again you've been listening to wellness women radio we are the wellness women dr ashley bond and dr andrea huddleston we are raising the bar for women's health and until next week be well this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.